Can learning transform your life? This is Impact Learning with Maria Zinedou, a podcast where you will hear personal stories about how we learn, work, and live in the connection economy. Together with her guests, she will teach you to design your learning journey and create the life you want. On today's episode... Well, I was actually terrible at school. And that's because school is about authority and doing things because you're told. And I'm just not good at that. And I decided it wasn't important to be good at that. And my parents encouraged me to feel that way. Uh, And so learning, it seems to me, is committing to getting something done. And once you make that commitment, then learning how to do the thing you're trying to do is very sensible. So mostly, I guess, it was from an early age coming to the conclusion that what I wanted to do was do things. Hey, it's Maria, and this is Impact Learning. Today, my guest is Seth Godin. Seth is a Stanford Business School graduate TEDx speaker and a fast company and medium contributor. He is an international best-selling author of over 18 books. In 2013, he was inducted into the Direct Marketing Hall of Fame and in 2018 into the American Marketing Association's Hall of Fame. Seth's blog is one of the most popular in the world. He has written over 7,000 posts that have been read by more than a million readers. In 2018, he started the Akimbo podcast and published his new book, This Is Marketing. Seth is the creator of the Akimbo Workshops, a series of workshops about bending the culture, speaking up, and being heard. These are workshops where people learn, connect, and do work that matters. Seth believes that each of us has more power than ever before to see the world as it is, to contribute, and to make things better. Hey, Seth, it's Maria. Welcome to Impact Learning. Hi, Maria. Thank you for having me. So, Seth, if we were to meet at a social event, how would you introduce yourself? I would offer you some guacamole and then maybe ask how your day was. What I would say that I do is I'm mostly a teacher. I try to see the world as it is and then make a ruckus, encouraging people to change it. As you know, I created the Impact Learning Podcast to tell the stories of people like yourself who are disrupting the way we learn, do our work, and live in the connection economy. So a personal note before we start our discussion. With your work, with the books, the blog, but most importantly, the Akimbo workshops, you have guided me and you have provided resources to help me design my learning journey and create a meaningful life and work. So I want to have that on the record and I want to say thank you, Seth. Well, thank you. I've watched the teaching that you've done with such generosity in our forums and You and I both know you learn more from teaching than you do from uh, sitting in a class, and you have been 
incredibly generous and thoughtful in the way you do it. So thank you. Thank you so much. So where did you grow up and what is your favorite childhood memory? I grew up in a town called Buffalo, which people think is near New York, but it's actually near Chicago, at least culturally. Great parents. We were in the middle of culture. So my dad was the volunteer head of the theater. My mom was the volunteer at the museum. So I grew up surrounded by a lot of culture. And um, we've had, had many blizzards in Buffalo during the 70s. And I remember getting trapped between a, a huge ice snowdrift and the wall of my house for half an hour and having to figure out how to get my way out of it. I remember when my dad took me on a field trip for work uh, to New York and I was wandering around the American Stock Exchange and almost got arrested for being an unaccompanied minor. And I remember going on this boat trip that he sent me on to crew for some guy and being stranded in the middle of the night in Cleveland and somehow finding my way home. So apparently my fond childhood memories are about almost ending up in disaster, but coming out okay at the end. So would you say that that was a like, defining moment for you? Yeah, I would say that what my parents did was help me understand that it's rarely fatal. And if it's not fatal, then you learn something from it. And one of the things you learn is that you have more resilience than you think. And that encouraged me to live a life of making a ruckus because the alternative, which is hiding, isn't attractive. You have uh, written a lot about your love uh, for books and also for learning by doing. So as I try to think of you as a student, how did you develop your ability to learn beyond what school was teaching you? Well, I was actually terrible at school. That's because school is about authority and doing things because you're told. And I'm just not good at that. And I decided it wasn't important to be good at that. And my parents encouraged me to feel that way. And so learning, it seems to me, is committing to getting something done. And once you make that commitment, then learning how to do the thing you're trying to do is very sensible. So mostly, I guess, it was from an early age coming to the conclusion that what I wanted to do was do things. So you've said in more than one occasion that uh, you get chills when you tell the story about how Chip Conley introduced you to the weekly mastermind group in college. Can you talk to us about uh, the role that this experience played in defining the way you see the world and the work you do? So when I got to business school at Stanford, I was the second or third youngest person in my grade. And I realized that I was in trouble because people weren't open to the fact that I hadn't had a real job and that I wasn't going to be great at the kind of spreadsheet-oriented work that they wanted to do. And the third day, I got a little note in my box from a guy I'd never met named Chip Conley. Chip has gone on to become a best-selling author and a hotel entrepreneur. Anyway, he was the same age as me, and he invited four other people to be part of a group that we meet every Tuesday afternoon and evening in the anthropology department. And we met perhaps 30 times. And what we did at each meeting 
was spend between three and five hours brainstorming business ideas. That's all we did. And the idea that there were others like me, that it was okay to develop something other than a spreadsheet really made a difference in my life because what it did was reminded me of why I was there in the first place and it made me feel seen. And that's what we're trying to do in Akimbo, that very same feeling. You introduce yourself as a teacher. So now I wanna start talking about your work and how you teach others to learn to see. So when we talk about the Akimbo workshops, why do they have a new name now? Well, the Alt-MBA is our flagship. The Alt-MBA is at the heart and soul of what we do. We've been doing it for more than three years. But what we found is that for some people, it was too big a leap. Too big a leap in terms of its format, too big a leap in terms of its cost. And they said, we like the Udemy stuff. Can you do something that feels more familiar? Which led to the marketing seminar and then the podcasting fellowship, and then the freelancers workshop and others. So once I have these seminars and workshops, they needed a name so that you and I could talk about them. So we decided to call them akimbo, which means the bend, the bend in the river, the powerful bend where you make a change happen. And that's what we're trying to teach. Mm -hmm. So I want to take a step back before you even started creating the old MBA. So in your blog, published in December of 2012, titled Learning How to See, you wrote, if you want to make something new, start with understanding. Understanding what is already present and understanding the opportunities in what is not. Most of all, understanding how it all fits together. So my question is, when was the moment that you first conceived the idea of the Akimbo workshops and how did all the different pieces fit together for you? Well, first, thank you for referring to that blog post. I haven't read it in uh, 2012, seven years. So thank you for surfacing it. I think that if you've spent as many years as I have teaching, the frustration is how difficult it is to find students who want to go on the journey, who are enrolled in the journey. That we spend most of our time as teachers in compulsory education, mandatory education, pushing people to go where they don't really feel like going. And the alternative is to find the right people for the right reason who want to go somewhere. So as the Alt-MBA evolved, that was the most thrilling part, is there are no grades, there's no tests because we don't need one, because everyone is there to see what they can create. Thank you for that. Is there a particular reason that the things fell into place? And you said now it's the time to create the old MBA. Well, we needed easy to access video, easy to use discussion boards, and mostly humans who were ready to do this work, to take this leap. And so when you look at something like Masterclass, which is mostly entertainment, not really education with famous people in it, a lot of people have signed up for that. I don't think a lot of people would have signed up for that 10 years ago. I think that the culture has changed enough that people are starting to take responsibility for how they're spending their time. Mm 
So I want to continue on the topic of uh, how we learn to see, because when we learn to see, then we can also create impact with our work. So in the OltMBA webpage at oldmba.com, you list 17 ideas for the modern world of work. One that many of us in the community still discuss about is the following. See the end before you begin the journey. The work is an arc. To do our work, we have to commit to seeing the, the change before we begin. Because if we don't, how will we know when we get there? So the reason we struggle, Seth, is because it's not easy to see far out. So how do we learn to see at the end of the journey? And how do we start? Well, what makes you think it's hard? It's hard because I know that many people that I talk to think that uh, it was uh, risky or crazy that I started. I left my corporate job after 20 uh, successful years, and now I'm trying to create a change that I know is not going to happen today. So I'm trying to see far out. Well, but the hard part isn't that it's fuzzy. Of course it's fuzzy. The hard part, the people who are around you who are mystified by your actions, is that they're afraid. So doing something that's fearful is different than doing something that's hard. And what I'm saying is not, you must have a crystal clear vision of how the world will be. What I'm saying is you must assert a crystal clear version. If you can assert it with specificity, at least you can start. And then as you get closer to it, if it can become something else, fine. What do you think is the best way to start to see the end of the journey? The only way I know is doing. And so there are workshops because we do work, doing. The thing that people don't understand who haven't been through one of them is, you're not doing my assignments, you're doing your assignments. That the entire arc of what we build is about you and your work. So I have just created this excuse for you to get to work. That's all we do. That brings me to a question that I wanted to ask later, but I think it's a good time now. So many of my friends who are still corporate employees, they know of my journey. I took the old MBA, then the marketing seminar, then the podcasting fellowship. For someone who is not very familiar with your work, where would you recommend them to start? Your blog, a book, or should they just go straight into a workshop? Well, it's not about being familiar with my work. It's about being familiar with your work. I mean, you should read my blog because it's free. It only takes a minute. Uh, but if you're reading my blog and it's starting to strike a chord with you, then the question is, what kind of problem do you have? I was talking to this entrepreneur today, and she thought her problem was that she didn't have enough funding. And I said, well, do you have enough customers? And what we came down to is, no, she didn't have enough customers. I said, well, if you got enough customers, you wouldn't have a funding problem. You wouldn't have a funding problem because A, they'd pay you, and B, investors would want to fund you because you have a lot of customers. So don't go around saying you have a funding problem. Go around saying you have a customer acquisition problem. So if you can be clear about what your problem is, it's likely you will find a book or a podcast or a workshop that we run that can help you solve your problem. And following that, is this the same reason why you now start creating different workshops because you see different problems? 
That's right. Different people have different problems. I believe that the Alt-MBA is appropriate for just about everybody to begin with. But I also know a lot of people won't take it because it's too scary. So I'm saying to those people, you're not wrong. We're just different. And I will respect our differences and offer you this as a way to get to that. Okay. So you're addressing, uh, I guess, the fear or the hesitation. It's the hesitation. It's the practicality. It's the idea that you have a itch inside. You want to level up. You want to make a difference, but there's something holding you back. And my job as a teacher is to help you get through that. With all the work that you've done to create and launch the Akimbo workshops, I'm curious to know if there is anything that you did not see or you underestimated. Oh, I dramatically underestimated how afraid people are. At the beginning, people said, I don't want to do this because it might not work. I don't want to do this because it's not proven. And I was like, fine, you should wait. You're not the kind of person that goes first. And now we've proven it. Now we've demonstrated just how well it works. And so the honest people are saying, I don't want to take it because it's going to work. I don't want to take it because it's going to change who I am. And I understand now how scary that change is, but I'm not backing down because I think that change is our birthright and I think it's urgent. Mm -hmm. So there is no one-to-one with Seth in any of your workshops. Why is that? Because I don't scale. There's just me. If I was doing that, I wouldn't be able to talk to you. Thank you. That's a good one. And now in this course, though, in the platform that we use to communicate and provide feedback and publish our work, how do you choose when to intervene and when not to? Yeah, that's a great question. I go to every workshop every day, seven days a week. And if I lose my focus, then I will contribute. It's not a good habit. It's something I'm trying to avoid. But there's no rhyme or reason. It's just, oh, This seems interesting. I'll say hi. And I know I can't scale and I shouldn't be doing it at all, uh, but I'm very focused on keeping track of what's resonating with people, how we can say things in ways to get under people's skin, how we can make a difference. Because even though I don't run the workshops, I am the focus and the center of them. And so it's on me to design them in ways that work. Is, is there any moment, any wow moment you have experienced in any of the workshops in your discourse interactions? Well, I had one today in the freelancers workshop, which is closing this week for signups. Uh, lesson seven is really powerful. And I looked at that and I said, that's more powerful than I realized when I wrote it. And I was very pleased at the way it was getting under people's skin. Would you like to share with us what was the surprising or the difficulty that uh, it was getting under their skin? Well, it's about the, the story people tell themselves about money. The story your customer tells, the story you tell yourself. And a lot of people have trouble confronting the fact that it's a story. And the purpose of the lesson was to help them truly see the story that's going on there. Mm-hmm. Another question related to the Akimbo workshops and generosity and empathy. And I know you talk a lot about that and also you teach us a lot. So the workshops continue to change the way I do my work and live my life. What surprised me the most 
was how much more generous I could be as Maria. It feels like I had a reservoir of generosity that I had not tapped into before. And I know that I speak for many of the community members that we show up even when we are tired, when we are stuck in our work, but we still show up. For you as the creator of the Akimbo workshops, and maybe you can think of one of them, what is the biggest positive surprise? Oh, from the beginning, the thing that, because I had no idea that any of this was going to work, is how quickly, if you are enrolled in the journey, you can internalize the lessons and make them about yourself. And that you can then turn that around and use it to help other people. And that combination, boom, boom, I, I, except the summer camp I used to run at, I've never seen it before. And watching it happen at scale is thrilling. To me, the most surprising thing of all is also that people that I've never met in person, they live on the other side of the world, and we help each other and show up for each other. And even if it's you know one-to-one, it's like we have been lifelong best friends for it, it. This is amazing. Yeah, no, I saw that with you on the Zoom call we did last week, that the way people interacted and lit up when they saw you were there was <laughs> thrilling. It was fantastic. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you for having created the community that all of us now contribute and continue to build. Beautiful. Coming back to generosity. It's the most powerful superpower, I guess, we have. To me, that's the generosity we have to change our lives, our posture, and then the lives of the people that we interact with. Why is it, Seth, that generosity is not easy for everyone? What is holding other people back? Generosity is the opposite of the scarcity mindset. That someone who is drowning cannot be generous. Right? Someone who's drowning doesn't say, how was your day? They're too busy drowning. And we have built a culture that tries to make people feel like they're drowning, that the media tries to make people feel like they're drowning. And all of this drowning adds up to a selfish place. You know, there, there are TV networks, media companies that do nothing but make people more selfish. And what we have to do is figure out how to counteract that and how to create a mindset and a perception that what we really ought to be doing is the opposite, because we're not actually drowning unless we think we are. Why is it easier for some of us and not so easy for the others? That's what I've been struggling with. You know, when I was in elementary school, they used to make us run around the school building. And that was a long time ago. There weren't people who went running for fun. And when, we, when it came time to run around the school like four times, I couldn't do it. And there were other people who did it easily. How was that? Well, I think over time, we devote our resources to something. And some kids had devoted their resources to being light on their feet. And some kids like me had devoted their resources to doing other things. And there are lots of complicated reasons why someone might be more generous than someone else. But what I believe is that with the right peer group and with the right encouragement, everyone can figure out how to be more generous than they are right now. 
Okay, so shifting a little bit now from the Akimbo workshops to bigger problems we have today. So problems like uh, robots are taking over uh, the conventional industrial jobs, depression being at an all-time high, just to name a few problems. What do you see as the most important and urgent problem in our society today and how or what can we do about it? I'm not worried about robots the same way I wasn't worried about electric lawnmowers that we'll figure out how to do things that are useful. I'm really worried about the combination of capitalism, income disparity, and uh, climate change because they're fueling a cycle of short-term thinking that's getting harder and harder to undo. And so I guess what we need to figure out is how to help people see further into the future so that they realize that tomorrow is way sooner than they think it is. That brings me to a question that I'm hesitating to ask, but I will ask. So you've said in your interviews, and also we have it on uh, the old MBA postcard, that you want your students to teach others what they learn from you. Right. When you are gone, gone, gone. Right. We will miss you. Thank you, Maria. Is there anything, Seth, that you would like us to do differently because you will not be around? Well, make sure I turned off the oven. <laughs> um, you know, the beauty of having a daily blog is I write a eulogy every day. So I don't need to give you another one. It's all good. I want to give you the opportunity to share any final thought or anything you would like to share with our listeners that you did not get the chance to talk about. Well, you are such a generous and complete interviewer. I have nothing to add. I really don't. This has been super fun. Thank you for that. Okay, so where can our listeners find you? Well, I don't know where they can find me. They can find the Akimbo workshops at akimbo.com. They can find my blog by typing Seth.blog into their favorite machine. And they can find my books at sethgolden.com. Thank you, Seth. Thanks for all that you do for us. It was a pleasure to have you on Impact Learning. Absolutely delightful. Thank you so much. You're awesome. I hope you found this episode useful. If you enjoy listening to Impact Learning, I would appreciate if you would share it with your friends who are interested in the future of learning and work. You could also leave us a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. A new episode of Impact Learning will be published every Thursday. Thanks for listening. And remember, we can talk about learning, we can design it, or we can do both. This is Impact Learning. I'm your host, Maria Zenidu. Till next time.